How do you measure success in life? In Genesis 41, we have a wonderful illustration of Proverbs 22:29, where we see a man diligent in his business now standing before a king. For the Lord is our defense, yes, to defend us. For the Lord is our defense, yes, to defend For the Lord is our defense, yes, to defend us. For the Lord is our defense, yes, to defend have passed since the butler was released from prison and restored to his position serving Pharaoh. We are then told that Pharaoh has two dreams back to back on the same night. In the first dream he sees seven well-fed cows being devoured by seven malnourished cows. And in the second dream he sees these seven healthy ears of corn being devoured by seven unhealthy ears of corn. Now Pharaoh is greatly disturbed, and while we're not told specifically, it would seem like he discerned there was a message in these dreams because when the morning comes round, he sends for all the magicians, the wise men of the nation to try and help him understand what his dreams mean. Now we imagine these men to have been experts in ancient sacred arts, in sciences, in reading of the stars, and so on and so forth. And when they come, Pharaoh finds out that not one of them is able to help. From verse 9 through 36, we find that the butler, upon seeing all that goes on, all of a sudden recalls his experience with Joseph. And he retells the account of how this young man that he met in prison was able to accurately interpret the dreams of both the chief butler and baker. Without hesitation, Pharaoh sends for Joseph, desperate to find some solution. And Joseph, who is now 30 years of age, he shaves, he cleans himself up, and then stands before the king. Upon Pharaoh retelling his experience, Joseph immediately interprets the dreams. He says that God has shown to the king what he is about to do and tells him that there's going to be seven years of plenty followed immediately by seven years of extreme famine. However, Joseph does not stop at the interpretation of the dream. He goes on to advise the king concerning what needs to be done in order to circumvent disaster. He counsels him to appoint someone of wisdom who can oversee the whole matter and set aside 20% of the crop and grain from the seven good years in order to survive the seven lean years. From verse 37 to 45, we see that everyone in the room is in agreement. The question then is, who should be appointed? And perhaps to the surprise and perhaps even the envy of some, Pharaoh decides to appoint Joseph. He declares quite perceptively, can we find such a man as this in whom the Spirit of the Lord is? Pharaoh, it seems, can see that the God who revealed the dream to him and gave the interpretation to Joseph, also lives in Joseph. Joseph is then made to be second in command. He is given the royal ring, he is given royal garments, he is given a new name, he is also then taken out and put in the second chariot and paraded before the people and given an Egyptian wife, perhaps to indicate to the people that here is a man integrating into Egyptian life. And so from verse 46 through to the end of the chapter, we're told in summary that the seven good years come, they are then followed by the seven lean years, and in the middle of this, God is pleased to give to Joseph two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. 
I think it important to note that the fact Joseph gave to his two sons Hebrew names indicates that despite his integration into Egypt, he is still holding on and living for the God of his fathers. Additionally, despite Joseph's rise to power, Ephraim's name seems to indicate that he views his experience as still being in the land of his affliction. We might look at that and think, well, look, Joseph, look how successful you've been. But think about it. What we're really looking for is a promised seed and a promised land and other promises to be fulfilled. Instead, we find Joseph being in a foreign land, uh, married to a foreign wife and away from his family. This is still, in a measure, a form of affliction upon God's servant. And so we come to application. One, patience is not idle waiting, but an expression of living by faith as God fulfills his plan. Had Joseph gotten his desire an immediate release two years prior to this event, he would immediately have gone home and he would have been restored to his father and his brothers. And yet when the famine arrives some, well, almost 10 years or so later, when it begins to pinch really hard, there would be no one there to deliver them. Instead, God is sovereign in every detail. And I want to speak to young people because sometimes in our youth, we struggle with the sovereignty of God. We're trying to hasten our lives. We're trying to push forward and almost miss our childhood. But young person, don't, don't waste any season of your life. God is sovereign in this season. And the question is not, how quickly can I get to where I want to be? The question is, what does God want me to do with my life today? Two. Compliance with non-essential issues required by superiors is honourable. Despite the urgency of the circumstances, in verse 14 we find Joseph preparing himself aright to stand before the king, meeting the cultural expectations of the day. Now, every new generation flirts with forms of rebellion. They begin to ask questions, you know, why must I do this? Why must I wear this? And so on and so forth. Be sure to ask questions and discuss issues. Be sure to talk about it. But at the end of the day, in most circumstances, when a parent or a person in authority over you makes a request of you that isn't sin, generally, that's God's will for your life. I was also thinking of the spiritual application of verse 14 in terms of the need for us to prepare ourselves right before we meet with our King of Kings, whether in public or in private worship. Three, those with gospel privileges are often blind to the truth. Back in Genesis 37, we saw how Joseph's brothers were completely opposed to the prophetic word that came in the form of Joseph's dreams. In contrast, here we find a heathen king acknowledging Joseph, submitting to that word, and obeying it. In a similar fashion, many adults who never heard the gospel as a child, but hear a call to faith and repentance in their adulthood, respond with joy and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Whereas some children who sit in church, maybe some of the children hearing me now, you hear the gospel week after week, perhaps even daily in the home and yet you still have not responded. Be careful, children, that you don't become like Joseph's brothers, resisting and despising God's word. Four, God uses ordinary people for extraordinary purposes. 
Remember, Joseph was a shepherd. His life and his childhood was spent around livestock. Despite this, the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, chooses Joseph as the candidate to lead the nation through an epic journey of survival. At 30 years of age, just like with our Lord Jesus Christ in his public ministry, God opened an unusual door of service to Joseph. Now, young person, remember, Joseph didn't plan for this. He didn't go to college to study how to lead a nation. None of that. And I want you to remember as you plan your future, as you study in a particular area or gain or acquire a particular skill, remember that you really don't know where God wants you to serve. And the only real preparation that you need for what God has planned for you, first and foremost at least, is that you walk with God and you're filled with the Spirit. That was the case for Joseph. Here was a young man full of the Holy Ghost. May I ask you, do you pray for the infilling of the Holy Spirit? I encourage you to pray for it every day. Finally, Joseph reflects much that will be true concerning the Messiah. Joseph is the favoured son, and he comes into a world that hates him and despises him, just as was true of Christ in his incarnation. Joseph finds himself in Egypt, a type of the world, not because of his own sins, but in order to bring deliverance to the people of God, just like Christ. Joseph was faithful in life and doctrine, just like Christ. He went from obscurity to notoriety, just like Christ. He was given the highest preeminence in order to save both Jew and Gentile, just like Christ. And although he was initially despised by his fellow countrymen, he was embraced and bowed down before by many in the world, just like Christ. Oh, child of God, as you see the condescension and the servitude of Joseph, do not miss how he points to even greater condescension, even greater service, and even greater glory in the person of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. 